Rasir Bolton's impact at Gonzaga went far, far beyond his contributions on the basketball court. We discuss his legacy in Spokane and what his next steps might be right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Cotton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, we are doing our Rasir Bolton season in review episode today. We're going to take a look at Bolton's college and Gonzaga career, what might be next for him. We're also going to celebrate his tremendous effort off the court and his impact in the Spokane community. All right here today, we're going to start talking about Ross and his basketball career. We're going to start there. What a tremendous, tremendous college basketball player Rasir Bolton was. Uh, and he, he ranks right on that list among the great Zag transfers of all time. He's not going to move ahead of a Brandon Clark or a Kyle Wilcher or some of those guys, but he's in that conversation and it is extremely impactful player, a two-year transfer, which was not expected. A graduate transfer who spent two years in Spokane, that is unusual. It is the way of the world in college basketball, at least for right now, as we have those extra years of COVID eligibility that will run out eventually and we won't see many more stories like this, but the two-year graduate transfer is always a fun kind of detail about Rasir Bolton's very, very unique college career. And, and we'll kind of go through it here real quickly. He's, he started at Penn State. He started at Penn State in the 2018-2019 season, and he didn't last very long there. Uh, he, he was very productive there, 11.5 points per game, two boards, one and a half assists, shot 36% from deep for the Nittany Lions. But unfortunately, he was benched after speaking up about an incident at practice that upset him. It was a, a racially charged comment from the head coach. Uh, he spoke up about it. His parents spoke up about it. He ended up getting benched, came off the bench for the rest of the season, despite being one of Penn State's most productive players. It was fairly, pretty clearly a benching in part because of the commentary from him and his family. Uh, fortunately, Penn State did make the decision to fire said head coach. Uh, Bolton decided to enter the transfer portal anyway. I can't, can't say that I blame him, not wanting to be in a program with that situation surrounding it. Uh, he ultimately ended up going to Iowa State to play for the Cyclones uh, and played two years there. He ended up kind of having to take on a bigger role early in his first year because of an injury to Tyrese Halliburton, now superstar in the NBA with the Indiana Pacers. And so it kind of created a situation where Ross ended up playing more point guard uh, in that portion of his career, which I'm not sure was a great fit for him. He was still very productive with the Cyclones across those two seasons. He played in 51 games. He started 50 of them, played about 32 minutes a night, averaged 15 points, four boards, three and a half assists, 1.2 steals. So definitely still being productive, still lighting up the scoreboard. He was basically Iowa State's best player in this uh, period of time. And Iowa State was bad. I mean, boy, they were not good. I think they went like 14 and 48, something along those lines. That math doesn't quite add up. But right in that conversation uh, is, is where the Iowa State Cyclones were while Bolton was there. Of course, they ended up becoming a very good program shortly after he left, not because of his departure, although they did definitely turn things around. But Bolton basically spent one year at Penn State as a good player for a program where he was not happy. He then spent two years as a very good player for a bad Big 12 school in Iowa State. Uh, he only shot 33% from deep there as well. And then he entered the transfer portal again, uh, decided to come to Gonzaga. And at the time when he came to Gonzaga, it was that 21-22 season. We knew he was going to start alongside Andrew Nembhard, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy was in the mix there. Julian Strother stepped into a bigger role. 
And it was kind of unclear exactly what Bolton's role was going to be, in part because we hadn't really seen him step into a big role as an outside shooter. Uh, he'd been a, a kind of the high, the guy for Iowa State. He was, you know, it was somewhat similar to the Ryan Woolridge situation. We've seen Gonzaga kind of pull players in this mold in the past where they were the Malachi Smith is, a, is the most recent example of taking a guy who played every role for his team basically was the point guard, the shooting guard, the number one offense for the, the number one option for the team offensively, and then put them in a role where they can be more efficient, play more off the ball, not have as many touches, but maybe have a more efficient offensive look. And this was kind of the first time that Gonzaga had done this with like a high major guy. Like it makes sense that you can get a guy from North Texas like Ryan Woolridge and bring him up a level or even Gino Crandall, who, who didn't step into that kind of role in part because of injuries, but coming from a smaller school like North Dakota. But this was kind of the first time that Gonzaga took a player who was who played that role at a power five program and brought them in and kind of let them adjust to that different role. And it worked splendidly. It was a really, really good addition for the Zags, a, a much-needed player on that roster. He played 27 minutes a game on that 21-22 team, 11.2 points, 2.5 boards, 2.3 assists. So basically every number came down quite a bit. One and a half less rebounds per game than he had at Iowa State, about four less points per game than he had at Iowa State, uh, about one assist less than he had at Iowa State. Not surprising to see the actual like back of the basketball card numbers drop a little bit, but his three-point shooting went from, again, 33% in two years at Iowa State and 36% at Penn State. So fine at Penn State, not so great at Iowa State. He shot 46% from deep in his first year in a Gonzaga uniform, over 50% during the WCC regular season. Part of that is a competition level change, but part of that is that he was given an opportunity to play more off the ball, to be more of a catch and shoot three point specialist, to not have the weight of the opposing team's, you know, entire defensive game plan based around stopping him. And it created a situation where he could be a significantly more impactful, effective player without having to be the guy with the basketball in his hands, basically every single possession. So, Unexpected or unsurprisingly, Bolton, after a fantastic season in Spokane, a season that ended a little too early with that loss to Arkansas in the Sweet 16, Bolton surprises everybody by deciding to come back for another year. And again, at this time, the, the COVID rules were still, you know, they, they still feel weird even now, even though they're, they're kind of nearing their end. And so it was just one of those things where we brought him in as a grad transfer. So he's going to be a one and done. He's kind of a mercenary. You come in, you play one year, the Byron Wesley, the Jordan Matthews, the Gino Crandall, Admon Gilder, et cetera. You come in and play that role. And Bolton did. And then he said, I, I want to do it again. And it was great to have Bolton back. It, the timing was really rough. And part of this, not part of this, all of this is on the NCAA. The NCAA's rules basically put players, coaches in a position where they had to recruit and try to add talent and find players in the transfer portal, which had a finite window of time, while also being unsure if certain players are going to come back or not. And they haven't changed it. Gonzaga's in the same boat right now. I mean, heck, we talked about it on the two most recent episodes. You everyday listeners know we talked about Aziz Mandego on Monday. We talked about Grant Nelson on Tuesday. Both bigs, both players that Gonzaga would love to have, especially if Anton Watson stays in the NBA draft process. I don't expect Anton Watson to stay in the draft process. Most people don't expect that. But imagine if Watson was closer to 50-50, like Malachi Smith is, for example. It is tough to try to recruit when you don't know which of your players are going to come back or not. It is a problem that has not existed in college basketball until very recently, and we are seeing coaches struggle with it. Case in point, Rasir Bolton decides to come back to Gonzaga. Great. Wonderful. We would love to have him back. 
But the Zags had just secured a commitment from Malachi Smith in the transfer portal. And now Nolan Hickman and Dominic Harris are, or excuse me, Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris are like, wait, hang on, wait a minute. Now there's two guys who are right in front of me who we didn't necessarily expect to be there. I don't know exactly how much that played into the decision by Salas and, and Harris to enter the transfer portal, but it did. <laughs> and it's, that's not to say that they're mad at Bolton or Smith or that the coaching staff regrets those decisions. I have no idea on any of that necessarily, but it's just creates such a messy dynamic. And it's unfortunate that receiver Bolton coming back kind of had a trickle down effect here because it's not his fault that he wanted to play another fantastic year of college basketball. And that's what he did. He came back, he played 26 minutes a game and, and look, it wasn't as good as his first season. He kind of, he dipped a little bit. He has 10.1 points per game. So down about a point, two and a half assists, which is nice. 1.9 rebounds. And as much as the three point shooting was a criticism for Bolton all year, guess what folks, he finished the year shooting 38.8%. That's really, really good. He was just under 39% from deep. He had some signature moments. Of course, the most notable one being that game winning shot against San Francisco in San Francisco with the green shirt man screaming in his face right after he made the shot. That was an iconic moment from this season, a kind of depressing moment for San Francisco, a, a black mark, quite honestly, on their season to see that fan act the way that he did. But, you know, whatever, water under the bridge, nobody got hurt. And Bolton hit a game-winning shot. He also was tremendous in the NCAA tournament against TCU. 17 points in that game, basically willed Gonzaga to a victory over the Horned Frogs. Unfortunately, he was effectively a non-factor in every other one of Gonzaga's tournament or uh, playoff caliber games. He did not score a single point against St. Mary's in the WCC championship game. Granted, they did not need him because they curb stomped St. Mary's in that game. He had just six points against Grand Canyon in the first game. He did not score against UCLA. He only took one shot against UCLA, which, yikes, you just cannot have that. Fortunately, Julian Strother willed the team to victory, and then he scored six points on just two of seven shooting against UConn in the final game of his college career. It was unfortunate to see Ross kind of struggle down the stretch uh, of, of his final college season, but, man, really impactful player in Spokane over the last two years. And much more than just his playing on the court. And that's kind of what I want to talk about in the second segment. We've had plenty of discussion about Rasir Bolton, the player, but let's talk about Rasir Bolton, the person, as his charity efforts in Spokane may never be matched again. More on him after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack and you don't want all of the sugar and calories, and if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good, you will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we have been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. So head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, segment two. 
So, Andy Patton's still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. For you everyday listeners, you know we've been hitting the transfer portal targets hard earlier in this week. We're going to continue to do so. We're going to take a look at some of the moves made around the WCC as well. We're going to continue our season in review series, get you updated on the baseball team. we got all sorts of stuff coming your way. Basketball season may be over, but don't worry, Locked On Zags not going anywhere. Thank you again to you everyday listeners. For those of you who are not, you can find the show wherever you get podcasts. Of course, find the show on YouTube as well and hit that subscribe button. All right. I want to talk about Rasir Bolton outside the scope of who he was as a Gonzaga basketball player, because more than almost any player we've seen in recent years, Rasir Bolton showed who he was outside of the basketball court. Certainly we've seen Drew Timmy and other players, you know, show their personality, their likes, their dislikes, you know, how they interact with the media, how they interact with fans. Drew Timmy, of course, starting a podcast and, and having a direct interaction with the fans is a great example, but Rasir Bolton made a tremendous impact in the city of Spokane simply by being charitable and being willing to put in work and help people in need. I want to shout out before we get into some of that, I want to shout out another fun fact about, about Bolton that I loved this year during, obviously you folks who are on Twitter, you see these all the time, or even on Instagram, they're posted there when players make announcements of, Hey, I'm going to the NBA draft. I'm entering the transfer portal. There's kind of their, their formulaic style posts. They have the text on there. They have pictures. Usually at the end, they have their signature. They maybe have like a Bible verse or something like that. And then, and they're a little formulaic. They all kind of look the same. Receive Bolton released one of those and it looked the same. I mean, it, it, clearly, whoever does uh, d- does the um, graphics at Gonzaga, they do a fantastic job. These graphics always look good, but they made one for Bolton that looked in the similar vein to the one we saw from Julian Strother and the one we've seen from from other Gonzaga players and other players across the country. But Bolton's was not an announcement that he's leaving Gonzaga because, well, we knew that. He does not have any more eligibility remaining. It's not that he's entering the NBA draft because he does not have to do that because, again, he does not have any eligibility remaining, so you don't have to enter the draft process. It was an announcement that he has completed the credits to earn a master's degree, specifically a master's degree in organizational leadership. I thought that was so cool. It was a little, it was, I think it was supposed to be a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit funny, just because, you know, th- that's what those announcements typically you're expecting it to say transfer portal or you're expecting to see NBA draft. But, but it's, it's, A, it's something he should be tremendously proud of. And I suspect that he is. It's something that he should celebrate and he should, he should say, Hey, this is what I did. This is what I accomplished. And it's not something that you see very often. We talked about the two year grad transfer being already unique and that's part of it for, for Bolton, but you see other guys who maybe have to, you know, they're injured for a year or they just registered a year. Kelly Olenek, you know, for example, uh, who, who end up enrolling in grad school and often they don't finish grad school. And I'm not knocking players for doing that. If you take grad school classes, you decide after your final year of eligibility, or you decide to leave early if you have an extra year of eligibility, like Malachi Smith may end up doing, and you don't finish your graduate program, you know, that's not a bad thing. You got your undergrad degree. That's amazing. But for Bolton, he worked hard to get a graduate degree. And I think we we forget the student athlete part of student athlete. I, I know that we do. And, and I understand that. I worked in college athletics for many years, for those of you who don't know. So this is something that is very important to me to see student athletes who really care about that aspect of it. And and certainly if you're just somebody who skates by and gets good enough grades to stay eligible, and, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, part of my job was to encourage players to just do that if that's what they needed to do. But it's nice to see somebody who's willing to put in the work to actively go after a degree that they don't need to get. You don't need to get a graduate degree to 
you know, he didn't need to do that. You need to get your undergrad degree if you want to be a grad transfer, but Bolton didn't need to do that. So that was very cool to see him do that. And beyond that, his work in the community, giving back to homeless people and helping low income families in Spokane is, I mean, it's the stuff of legends. Uh, Bolton met with Rick Clark. And if you do not know who Rick Clark is, I highly recommend reading the article that I'm linking in the show notes here. It's an article written by Clark about him meeting with Rasir Bolton, but it gives some more insight into who Rick Clark is. I'll give a quick synopsis. He's a former homeless man in Spokane who decided to kind of figure out how to get himself back on track. He was living out of his car. He went to Spokane Community College, was able to transfer credits over to Gonzaga, got a degree from Gonzaga, started a nonprofit called Giving Back Packs, which is effectively a, a, you know, a, a nonprofit to give backpacks to homeless people in Spokane to help them be able to carry their things and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he's, been, he's done many other things than just that, Rick Clark. He's, he's a, a really influential figure in the city of Spokane, particularly in terms of his work with the homeless population. But he had the opportunity to speak at a personal branding class at Gonzaga that Rasir Bolton was in his first year in Spokane. And it was talking about like using your NIL for good and, and kind of just personal branding in, in terms of just how these student athletes can kind of navigate this new world of, of NIL. And Clark spoke in the class and they did a charity event and it raised a bunch of money. I think it raised like $9,000 just that day in class. And afterwards, Bolton went straight up to him and said, I want I, this. I want to do more of this. I want to be involved in this somehow. And he continued to reach out to Clark and said, how can I help? Can I bring food to people? What can we do? And, and Clark wrote a tremendous essay. Like I said, I'm going to link that in the notes just about how much he loved meeting Bolton and how energetic and enthusiastic he was and how he felt like the work that he was doing was not only helping these community members in Spokane, but it was helping him. And he could see him, he could see Bolton kind of coming out of his shell and being more comfortable talking to strangers and the love and reverence that these people had for him as a Gonzaga basketball player. They watched him on TV. They loved him. And here he is giving them a Christmas tree. You know, they get, he got 300 Christmas trees for free to families who couldn't afford them to giving them meals, giving them food, helping them with the backpacks, like just such a tremendous impact that Bolton made in this community in just a short amount of time. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's one of those things that you can never take that away from him. You can criticize Rasir Bolton for maybe not having the best NCAA tournament performance last year. You can, you know, talk, you can forget about him as a basketball player five, 10 years from now when we're going back and we're saying, who are some of the most impactful graduate transfers or transfers? You know, his, his name will come up and maybe it will move past it or whatever. But what he did in Spokane, what he did to help these people, they will never forget it. The community in Spokane will never forget him. And I promise you, he will never forget it either. He will never forget being a member of the Gonzaga basketball team because, I mean, that's such an impactful thing to play college basketball, of course. But he'll never forget this either. He'll never forget working with Rick Clark. He'll never forget helping people in need. The faces, that the looks that they gave him, the joy, the happiness of not just meeting somebody who plays on the basketball team, but also getting to physically help them with something, handing them something that they need. Rasir Bolton is a perfect example of using your NIL for good. And I, I kind of don't like using that phrase because it implies that there are bad ways to use your NIL. And I don't necessarily think that's true. If you earn, if you earn NIL money, you do speaking engagements or the team's willing to pay you or whatever it is, you, and you use that money on yourself, you buy yourself a new car, you buy yourself a new wardrobe, new kicks, whatever. There is nothing wrong with that. You have earned that money if you want to spend it on yourself or, of course, your family, your loved ones, your friends. There is nothing wrong with that. 
But it's so wonderful to see somebody like Rasir Bolton use that money, use those opportunities to give back to the community, to give back to the people who watch the games, the people who watch them on TVs who cannot afford to go to a game, who can never afford to go to a Gonzaga game because it doesn't even matter how much money you have. You just can't go to see the Gonzaga basketball team play live. But if they have games in the e arena and these people who can't go, who watch the games on TV, who love him but never thought they'd get to meet him, and here he is helping them. It's just an incredible story and one that deserves to never be forgotten. Rasir Bolton is a good enough player that he probably won't be forgotten in the history of Gonzaga basketball, but this part of his story should never go away. And I hope sincerely that it does not. Well, Bolton's time in Spokane, unfortunately, has come to an end. Uh, so what's next for the big four or five? What is going to go down with him in his, the rest of his professional basketball playing career? We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stoddy Patton's still locked on Zag, still talking about the big four or five Rasir Bolton after the conclusion of his college basketball career last season at Gonzaga. We talked about his history, how he ended up in Spokane in the first place, and how he performed. We talked about uh, his tremendous impact off the court in the city of Spokane. Now I want to talk a little bit about what might be next for Bolton. The first thing that happened after he graduated and announced his, his graduation was that he received an invite to go play at the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. Uh, it is an event for graduating seniors to play in front of NBA and international scouts. It is not the NBA Draft Combine, but it is a place where players who maybe are on the fringe of getting invites to the NBA Draft Combine can go and work out and showcase their skills in front of scouts. And sometimes players do end up getting invites from the Portsmouth Invitational to the NBA Draft Combine. Last year, there was two players who received that invite after playing at Portsmouth. Both those players did end up playing in the NBA, at least brief, briefly the following season. So that is kind of, it's it's a first step type thing. It's not an event you're going to see, you know, Jarris Walker or Cam Whitmore or some of those top tier Brandon Miller, you know, those guys aren't going to be there. Um, even like guaranteed draftable seniors aren't necessarily going to be there, but players like Bolton fit in there. And he went uh, and some other names there just for reference, Pete Nance from North Carolina, Tiger Campbell from UCLA, Yuri Collins from St. Louis, uh, Cam Shelton from LMU, shout out Cam Shelton, who I think is probably not a lot of Gonzaga's fans favorite players after beating them from LMU, uh, Tanner Groves, former Eastern Washington player who finished his career up at Oklahoma, Serge Barry Rice, who played at Texas last year after playing at New Mexico State. Those are just a few of the names of the players who are there. So it's a very talented group of players. Bolton played in three games, uh, three of the games that were that happened in the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. He ended up finishing with averages of 11 points, two and a half boards, and 1.3 assists. He shot three of seven from deep in his first game, was 0 of four in the other two games, so didn't quite get to show off the elite three-point shooting that we know that he has. Uh, but still a solid performance from him. You watch some highlights of him doing, doing receiver Bolton things, you know, spot-up shots, uh, driving to the basket, looking good on defense, kind of being in the right spot at the right time. So uh, I thought it was a solid performance from him. Having said that, I would be surprised if he got invited to the NBA Draft Combine. Last year, I believe 76 players got invited. Of course, 58 players are going to get selected this year. Uh, the NBA general managers generally vote like around 100, 105 guys, and they cut it down from there to about 75. I don't think Rasir Bolton is going to be one of those players. I wouldn't be shocked. If he did get an invite, I would I would be like, oh, cool. But it wouldn't like be a stunner or anything like that. I think he's like a player who's kind of right in that conversation. But I'm guessing he's not going to. And in terms of his overall NBA draft kind of 
profile projection, it's tough because he's an undersized two guard and undersized two guards are about the easiest players to kind of find in the NBA. And so I think that he's just, I I don't think it's a situation where he's good enough as a two guard to, you know, CJ McCollum is the example of like an undersized two guard. Like I'm not saying receiver Bolden would have to be CJ McCollum in order to make the NBA, but you have to be really, really, really good as a scorer. If you want to make the NBA at that size without being a true point guard. And I don't think Rasir Bolton is a true point guard in the NBA. He hasn't been a true point guard in college really up to this point. I mean, his career averages of 2.5 assists and 2.1 turnovers just don't really point to a player that's necessarily going to adapt to being an on-ball lead guard at the NBA level. And I don't think that the size really allows him to be a combo guard. There's more to it there. The defense, there's some questions about his defense, his physicality, his ability to impact the game on that end of the floor. Certainly some consistency things, although I think the outside shooting is probably good enough to be an NBA skill. I think it's kind of the only like clear-cut NBA skill that he has. And so I I would be surprised if he ended up being an NBA player. And that's not a knock. It's not a shame or anything like that. I just, I'm not sure he's quite there. Will he get an invite to summer league? Yes. Could he play well in the NBA summer league? Heck yeah. Tommy Cousy dropped like 27 points in a summer league game last year. Like you can definitely do that. You could definitely play well in that league, in that level. But I still don't know that I see like a two-way contract. Like Joel Ayayi really struggles with two-way contracts. He barely got one. I think Joel Ayayi has a little bit more going for him, even though he's not as good of a three-point shooter. He's got more going from him from a size perspective, rebounding perspective, some of that stuff. So I think Bolton's kind of close. He's right on the edge. If he wanted to play in the G League, I think he would be very successful in the G League, like a double-digit scorer per game type of guy in the G League but he also could go to Europe and that there's some tremendous opportunities for him in Europe. If he wanted to do that again, the Portsmouth invitational tournament had European scouts there. So a lot of these guys have seen him. They've seen what he can do. Uh, so I think there's a really, I mean, receiver Bolton's going to have a productive professional basketball playing career at whatever level he wants it to be, but I don't think it's going to be in the NBA. I think he could be a G league star, like borderline G league all-star at the peak. I think he could be in the, he could play in the Euro league for sure. The top league outside of the NBA in all of basketball, Nigel Williams, Goss plays there. Kevin Pangos played there. Like he could play at that level unquestionably without a doubt. But I think that that's probably the ceiling for him at this point. We'll keep you updated. I, I love tracking former Zags. For those of you who have listened to the show for a long time, those everyday listeners, you know that we do like Zags in Europe updates throughout the off season. We'll talk about everybody from Philip Petrusev to Ira Brown. Ira Brown's still playing as of last year. Like we're going to keep you updated on all of the former Zags and what they're doing. And guess what? That's going to include from here on out, Rasir Bolton and what he does in his professional career. Uh, A fun player. Sad to see him go. I know the Spokane community is going to miss him tremendously, but it was a true honor to watch him play Gonzaga basketball for two years. And I don't know. It's hard to pick a player that represents the Zags and the Gonzaga spirit and the mantra of, of the school more than Rasir Bolton did in the last couple of years. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast if you have not done so yet. That is available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Stick here with Locked On Zags. We'll continue to look at transfer additions the Zags could make. Maybe we'll find the next Rasir Bolton here in the upcoming weeks as they look to continue to add to next year's roster. Again, follow on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. Leave a review on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet as well. All right, I want to thank every single one of you for listening. And of course, as always, go Zags.